0: It's the 3rd of October, 2015, and this is episode 252. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only. What cryptocurrency enables is new, empowering, and exciting, but we're not experts. Just obsessed companions walking the road towards a more peer-to-peer future. On today's episode of Let's Talk Bitcoin, we're joined by Chris and Peter, who lead the intrepid team behind the first academic, peer-reviewed journal called Ledger. Gentlemen, thanks for your time.
1: Thank you, Adam. I'm glad to be here. Nice to be back on your show again.
0: So just to be clear, your project has no relation whatsoever to the hardware wallet project also called Ledger, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of funny because we debated for the title of our journal for about a month, and we finally settled on the name Ledger. And then about a week later in the fall of 2014, BTC Chip was rebranded as Ledger Wallet. By that time, uh, we were pretty happy with the the title, so we decided to come around with it. And we think the product is different enough from our journal that it won't really cause confusion.
0: Ledger is an academic, peer-reviewed journal, the first one focused on Bitcoin. And is it Bitcoin or is it cryptocurrency? Because I saw somewhat conflicting references in the articles written so far about your project.
1: It is cryptocurrency related. And if you go to the Journal's website, it's fairly unambiguous about that.
0: So a peer reviewed journal is something that is is kind of a constant in most sciences, but Bitcoin and cryptocurrency have been to this point a very new science. And so we haven't had anything like this. Are there any um, instances or events in the last six years that have made you think, wow, we really need something like this? It's there's a gap that we, you know, we actually don't have this. And here's a situation where it really could have benefited us.
2: Well, I remember just from as a new user in 2013, I would read, you know, all this different information on, on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And it was very difficult for me to discern what was the facts from what was not the facts, especially when the media in most cases was comments on a forum, a blog post or a self-published paper. I felt that what was really needed was something with the authority of a peer-reviewed journal to sort of give certain manuscripts a stamp of approval that this is recognized as accurate and important by experts in the field.
0: What is it about the academic peer-reviewed journal that lends that sort of credibility to this thing? Because again, you know, just looking at the kind of origin of the species, Satoshi didn't publish in any sort of uh, peer-reviewed journal, and at the time, certainly his work, it seems like, would not have fit into any that were around, at least not so specifically as what you're doing. So what is it about the format that you're working with? You know, I guess peer-reviewed is probably the kind of relevant part here. What is it about peer review that is worthwhile where something like a blog post is less?
1: To be clear, the peer review process doesn't guarantee that something that's published is correct. Lots of scientific work that's published turns out to be wrong down the road. But it does help you catch a couple of things. For example, whether the work is really novel. A lot of people in the cryptocurrency community, but again, none of this is really specific to cryptocurrencies, you might come up with a bright idea and you want to share it with some people. One, you're not sure if it makes sense, but two, you're also not sure if it's been done before. The reviewers should be experts in the field and the peer review process can catch whether an idea has been explored before and to make sure that you're really building on old ideas rather than reinventing wheels. And then yes, if there are mistakes that can be caught in the peer review process, then they're caught. And so it acts as a, as a sort of a quality control filter. It's not perfect, but it does make it a little bit easier to sift through published information to get, on average, higher quality analysis and information than if you were going through blog posts. And there's just going to be a lot more noise in that case
0: it sounds sort of like it's applied skepticism. It's if something is published in a pure journal, in order for it to be published in something like Ledger, it would have needed to go through this review process, which means that if the ideas were old or if they were rehashes or or whatever, then that would have come out in the process as opposed to post-publication. Whereas the stuff that we see most of the time, a lot of times, you know, it may have been talked about internally amongst a team or, you know, team and advisors, but it will come out quite quickly and then it goes into marketing really quickly before you have a chance to get through the validation process this puts validation at least a level of validation in front of the part where you start you know like getting excited about it
1: correct and there is another purpose to ledger which is not just as a place where you have a higher level of quality control for people already in the cryptocurrency community it's also an outlet for academics who already were academics but maybe weren't yet doing research in the cryptocurrency space, for them to start contributing to the cryptocurrency community, for a lot of academics, unless there is a peer-reviewed journal that they can publish their work in, they're not going to spend any time because that's how they justify to their communities that they're being productive. For better or worse, that's a big part of the academic process.
0: So it's a comfortable format. And to this point, some academics have had a hard time kind of integrating in, or not necessarily integrating, but doing work in the cryptocurrency space because there wasn't an outlet that was legitimate in their, you know, in their uh, eyes and to the eyes of the people who are funding their work. Exactly. Whereas Ledger kind of, so Ledger is this nice, comfortable format that they can just slot into. And then it's about this topic.
2: Exactly. Ledger is a traditional peer reviewed academic journal.
0: Okay, so one other question that I had on this before we kind of move on into the process a little bit. Almost every new cryptocurrency that I see coming out seems to have a white paper, which, you know, in the tradition of Satoshi, uh everybody's you, you kind of have to have a white paper. And what a white paper means, the 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 thing of it has sort of drifted from simplified technical documentation to kind of a quasi technical almost marketing in some circumstances. And they also are, are seem to be getting longer, too. So is this a sort of thing where you know Ledger could help filter through all of that noise by encouraging people to submit their white papers, you know, before the cryptocurrency project actually releases and go through this vetting process, and then you can identify the ones that haven't gone through the process and say, okay, well they deserve a higher degree of scrutiny. Because I mean, like, is there any sort of uh, cleaning up the swamp in here too?
1: If I could jump in, Peter, um, one of the things that I think journal is going to be really great for is alternative cryptocurrencies. I think it makes a lot more sense if someone has an idea for some modification to the Bitcoin protocol for that to be an academic paper discussed among the cryptocurrency community before it's implemented. Right? If you have an idea for a new feature, the starting point should be a discussion rather than just launching ahead with it and people putting real money into it. So I absolutely think the journal is really a natural place to explore alternatives to the Bitcoin protocol, as opposed to what's going on now, where everyone's just making their modifications, running with it, trying to get people to buy into it in, in what is probably a sort of a premature process.
0: So let's go through the process here of how this would actually work if I'm somebody who's submitting a paper. Let's say that I've written a paper entitled Application-Specific Autonomous Self-Bootstrapping Consensus Platforms. It's 4,800 words long and deals with how tokens built on Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency foundations could be used to drag a yet unknown solution that exists somewhere in the future into the now by putting a big pile of crowdfunded money on the other side of a lock that can only be opened by a person or a group who delivers the outcome desired by that crowd that put it there. Is that the sort of thing that you're looking for? Does it cost me anything to submit it? Can my paper be rejected, whether you've you know received too many or if it doesn't meet your criteria? and. I'm a prospective author. Talk to me here.
2: Well, well, before before I answer that question, uh, let's go back to the idea of white papers and how they differ from a research paper. So, I would say Satoshi's white paper was more of a research paper. It was presenting things that were new, that were novel, that had never been done before. But not all white papers do that. And if you look at a lot of the white papers, uh, they're more of an explanation for how the, this cryptocurrency is designed, uh, and it's just piecing together. Things that already exist just in a slightly reformatted way that wouldn't qualify as a research paper. A research paper has to do something that's new and novel in the field, something that advances the state of the knowledge in cryptocurrency. So, if you take something like the crypto note ring signature technique, that would be new research that could be published in Ledger. But if you package some, you know, you change the block time for, for Bitcoin, change the inflation rate, call it uh. Bob's coin, uh, read a white paper on it. No, that's not original research.
0: So Bitcoin itself, you're basically saying, would have been novel when Satoshi posted it. But when Litecoin, you know, is writing their white paper and the only thing that they've changed are kind of these uh, tangential details. And I guess, I guess, you know, Litecoin also changed the uh, uh, proof of work mechanism as well. Wow.
2: Right. They're using script as opposed to, uh, to double SHA 256.
0: Yeah, exactly. So would, would, uh, Litecoin at the time that Litecoin was released, would that have been a good fit for Ledger? Or do you think that that's too derivative of Bitcoin?
2: Well, I don't, I don't think we want to be thinking about publishing a paper on a specific cryptocurrency. Like I, I, you're not going to publish the Litecoin white paper. You might say, Okay, that we have this new idea for a hashing algorithm. It's called script. It has these properties. It's different from Bitcoin's hashing algorithm for these reasons and write a scholarly article uh, analyzing that. that. That would be totally something the ledger would publish. If you're trying to market some new cryptocurrency, then, then no, I don't think that's the kind of content we want.
0: I think that there's a kind of uh, very blurry line between having something that's new and novel and having something that you're aggressively trying to market. So I'm just trying to figure out, but it, it sounds to me like what you're saying is that it really is just about the novelty and that if you take, if you took something like the, you know, using script instead of using SHA-256, which would have been the state of the art at that point, the using SHA-256, then you're using script instead, you could have gotten a paper published explaining the reasons why you think that's a better idea and then trying to defend that thesis. But the the core, the, the thing that it goes into, the larger project is totally irrelevant to the purposes of Ledger. You're just interested in the innovation. Correct. Okay, great. I think I have a decent understanding. So going back to my question uh, about uh, the paper that I'm going to publish with you guys in this first run, I think.
2: (laughs) Yes, it seemed to have a very long title. Uh, You might have to
0: repeat that for me. It has a very long title. It's called Application-Specific Autonomous Self-Bootstrapping Consensus Platforms. Based on what you've said, I think it probably would qualify based on, again, state-of-the-art inventions and things like that. So if I was going to go through this process, let's just assume for a second that I'm submitting it, what does that look like?
1: you would go to our website the ledgerjournal.org you would register as an author there's an online submission process before you submit your article you'd want to consult ledger's author guidelines so for example we have a 4000 word limit a number of other considerations that you know you'd want to read through formatting citations a certain way and then If you conform to those uh, guidelines, you would then write just a short cover letter explaining very briefly what's novel about the work, how your work fits into the scope of the journal. Then you would need to suggest reviewers in the field, uh, at least three, that the journal may or may not ask to review your work, plus some other reviewers that that we might think are appropriate for for the article. And you'd submit that cover letter with the suggested reviewers and your article. And if you have any appendices or, or supplementary data that goes along with your paper, you could submit that to the online submission process.
0: Okay, so now I've submitted my paper and let's assume that you know, it's been accepted, I conform with all of the uh, style requirements and...
2: Well, it hasn't been accepted at that point. It would be uh, admitted to peer review. We would uh, look over your submission briefly, make sure it adheres reasonably well to the author guidelines, agree with you that it fits within the scope of the journal, and that there is something novel here. And at that point, we would then forward your paper to three different reviewers for peer review. So it would be a a more lengthy process before your article is actually accepted for publication. There's a very high chance that it will require some revisions on your end in order to meet the requirements for peer review.
0: So where does acceptance actually happen? Is it after peer review has occurred? And then at that point, the, basically, if the consensus comes back from the various reviewers that, yes, this is novel, yes, it doesn't seem to have any gigantic logic holes in it, and here's what we think of it, what, what type of feedback would I, as an author, get from these people?
1: Typically, and I'm just talking generally about the academic peer review process, right, if they identified any major, if they said that the work wasn't novel and that, It was fundamentally flawed. Your paper may just get rejected. Hopefully that wouldn't happen. Instead, you'd hope that reviewers would have constructive criticism. So they'd say, this is a problematic section. You need to substantiate some claim that you made. So then that might require a fair amount of work. That might require more work from you as an author than just writing another paragraph. You might actually have to do some calculations or something to defend the claim you made in your paper. But even if the reviewers said everything is technically sound with the paper, they might still have other suggestions to communicate some idea more effectively. And we as editors, we would encourage you to try and meet the reviewers their suggestions. And so you'd probably have to do some minor revisions at a minimum. But at that point, um, if only minor revisions were required, it would probably be accepted for publication. If the reviewers were skeptical. And you needed to substantiate a claim, it might go back to the reviewers and the reviewers would have a second chance to look at your paper.
0: So there can be basically as much back and forth in this system as is required. And it, you know, if, if there's actually something there and it just takes multiple backs and forth, that that seems like it's okay. Um, how long does something like the peer review process uh, take with what you're doing? And I mean, like, do you even have the ability to kind of estimate that at this point or are you still too early?
2: Yeah, we're considering single rounds, but we've decided to have as many rounds as necessary. So to answer your question, Adam, because cryptocurrency is such a fast moving field, we feel the ledger has to be responsive and quick and efficient with this peer review. So our target is to have each round of peer review complete within six weeks. So from the moment you submit your paper to our journal's website, to the moment you hear back from the reviewers with their suggestions, our target time for that is six weeks. So it means that the earliest your paper could reasonably accept it is six weeks, but probably the reviewers will, you know, say, "Well, we we really like this, but uh, you know, there might be this claim that needs to be substantiated." So then you would go off and do your changes and resubmit, and then that would uh, start another six week process again, and maybe by the second time the paper is formally accepted for publication.
1: Some of your listeners might think that six weeks is a really long time, but just to put that in context, the academic peer review process often takes much, much longer than that. Uh, It's not uncommon in the sciences and especially in fields like economics and history for the peer review process to take over a year, one round.
0: So the peer review process takes about six weeks. How often are you publishing and what formats are you publishing in?
2: Our goal right now is to publish quarterly. So every three months we'll come out with a new edition of Ledger. And it will be published in online format at, the, at the Ledger's website. So there there's, uh, will be no hard copy, at least initially. It's ledgerjournal.org.
0: Okay, so it's being published to ledgerjournal.org. Can I subscribe to the journal? I mean, I guess if it's a website, is it just something that I need to put on my list of sites to visit? Or are you guys going to release it in newsletter form?
2: If you're a subscriber, when there's a new edition, you will receive an, an email. Uh, but basically, the, the journal's website, uh, it, you know, is, is hosting all the different PDF articles, and readers can search through our database once we actually publish some editions to by author or by topic to look for look for content. The important thing that's happening though is the articles they get a digital object identifier number. Our journal has an ISSN. It's a real journal, imagine me having my little air quotes. So. It, the articles will be picked up by academic library searches. Uh, we hope that uh, with some hard work, it'll eventually be indexed by the big indexing companies like uh, Thomson Reuters.
1: It'll also be searchable in most universities have university library systems. So if you search for a book, it'll search within your university's library if you're at a university and all other universities basically in the world that are connected to the system. And Ledger will be connected into that system. so. Now, students and academics, when they search for really, you know, like any cryptocurrency keyword, words from the journal articles or the journal titles will come up.
0: This episode of Let's Talk Bitcoin is brought to you by Tokenly.com and the newly relaunched LTB Network. If you haven't checked out the new and improved site, you're missing out and we've got more to come. Let's actually kill the music here for a minute. One of the original shows to join the LTB Network after that podcast contest we held almost two years ago was Bitcoins and Gravy and John Barrett, who along with Lyd Shaw in the early days, has produced a staggering swath of episodes and useful, interesting content. Fans of Bitcoins and Gravy will have noticed that there have been no recent episodes, and super fans will know that John Barrett has been having a lot of trouble with his hand, making both editing the show and also his performance of music both difficult and painful. I hope you'll join me in thinking good thoughts for John Barrett as we listen to this, his seminal track, Ode to Satoshi. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back in three minutes with the magic word.
3: Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day When he wrote about the way things are and the way things ought to be He gave us all a protocol his world had never seen Or oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Or oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain. Everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Down the road it will be told about the death of old Mount Gox About traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks But them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee See, they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free Our Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain Everybody knows till everybody knows your name. From the ghettos of Calcutta to the halls of Parliament, while the bankers count our. virtuality A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny A Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain A Bitcoin I know you're gonna rain Gonna rain Till everybody knows Everybody knows Till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows Everybody knows Till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name Sing it Oh Lord Pass me some more Oh Lord before I have to go. Oh Lord, pass me some more Oh Lord before I have to
0: If you want to reach out to John Barrett, email howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com. And the magic word for episode 252 is ODE, that's O-D-E, ODE. You've got until the 10th of October to visit letstalkbitcoin.com or the Let's Talk Bitcoin iOS app to enter it for your share of the listener rewards. So two questions, Um, one, is there a cost to be a reader or subscriber for normal people? And uh, two, how many articles can you slash do you intend to publish per issue?
2: So Ledger is an open access journal, and it will always be open access. And that means that anybody anywhere in the world can read the published content of our journal for free. And that's at least somewhat unique in academic publishing, because a lot of times the content is hidden behind paywalls, your library, your, your university has to have a subscription with the journal to, to see the content, which is unfortunate because so much of the research was funded by taxpayer money in the first place. And then it kind of gets hidden in a way that only other researchers can see it. So Ledger is open access.
0: Why are you able to do that where other journals are not? Or why are maybe perhaps it's not an ability, perhaps it's just you are. Why are you doing that where others are not?
1: There are a couple of open access journals. One of the ways that they fund their operation is by charging the authors fairly steep fees. So it costs sometimes several thousand dollars for the author to be able to publish their paper. But Ledger is not like that. So Ledger is not only free to read, it's also... There are no author fees, so it's free to publish. The journal operation is subsidized by the University of Pittsburgh. That helps. It's an all-volunteer staff, and it's online only. If we were printing hard copy issues, that would require significant amounts of money from somewhere. Or if we had paid editorial staff,
0: that would require a significant amount of money.
1: And if there was no university subsidy, that would also uh, change the business model.
0: Is it sustainable the way that you guys are doing it now or is this kind of just like a initial bootstrapping period and you have greater ambitions for paid staff and things like that?
2: I think we would like to have paid staff in the future, but one thing we don't want to change is we always want Ledger to be open access and we always want Ledger to be free for authors to publish in. I can imagine in the future, well, right now we're getting a small grant from Coin Center. We're really grateful to Coin Center for supporting the journal. But I can imagine if Ledger can prove itself as a useful tool for peer review in the Bitcoin community, that we could attract more funding from organizations like Coin Center or the MIT Digital Currency Initiative that would help to keep Ledger open access and free from author fees.
0: A lot of the things that you're saying would make me then say, well, are you going to accept advertisers? Because that's kind of the natural model that seems to pull. But everything you've mentioned has been more in kind of like the academic grants sort of thing. So maybe advertisements don't come into this at all.
1: I am quite certain that we will never consider advertising as a source of revenue. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I am pretty sure that that would never fly. The only way I can imagine us having paid editorial staff is, If the field grows so much and the Bitcoin ecosystem grows a lot, then it might be the case that we can get more significant sponsorship in the future. There are some other models out there. So some journals are supported by conference fees. So there are some journals out there, not cryptocurrency journals, because Ledger is the only one so far, but other journals where they host an annual conference and everyone who submits articles to the journal, comes to the conference, and pays a registration fee, and from the registration fees, that helps support the journal. I don't think advertising revenue is, is in
0: the plans. So talk to me about the process of becoming a peer reviewer. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, I kind of joke that Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is a new science. You know, we've been talking about the theoreticals for maybe 30, 40 years, and in practice, it's only been around since 2007. So, how does one become a reviewer of this new science? What are the qualifications? And, uh, you know, what's the process for that?
2: Well, first, you would sign up as an author or a reader on Ledger's website, and then you would get in contact with Chris or I or one of the other members of our editorial team and express your interest in being a reviewer. At that point, we would uh, engage you in some discussion to get a feeling for what your interests are in terms of articles to review, but also what your uh, your background is, maybe a, a brief bio, and just something that so we can uh, you know assess your ability to review certain topics. At that point, we would add you to our reviewer database, and if papers came that we thought met your interest and that you'd be able to review competently, then we would send them your way.
1: Ultimately, we need to see some evidence of some form, published work or otherwise, that uh, a reviewer appropriate for judging work in a particular area.
0: So they don't necessarily have to be academically accredited, but they do have to be demonstrably qualified.
2: Yes, they need to provide evidence that they know what they're doing.
0: What kind of a uh, time commitment should be expected from something like that? Like when you're working with, when you have somebody who's on the list, you know, should they expect to get, you know, like one article per round or does it really just depend on how many are coming in or what's the, what type of workload do you expect these types of users to have?
2: They can also decline to review an article. So if you wanted to review, and, but didn't know how much time you would have, you could still enter into our database of reviewers. And if we send you an article and you don't have time to do it, you can just politely decline.
0: Is there any secrecy in the process? I imagine that there's a fine line between preserving the surprise and novelty of a new idea being peer reviewed for publication, and then on the other end of the spectrum being so closed as to breed suspicion about what's really going on at that ledger you know, organization. Um, on the privacy question, where do you guys fall on the spectrum?
1: Uh, reviewers are asked to keep the information in the paper confidential while the paper's still under review. So you can't blog about, oh, I'm reviewing this paper and this is what it says. That being said, I mean, if there's uh, an author out there who has a, a billion dollar idea, doesn't want anyone to know, they, they clearly shouldn't be submitting that.
2: Right. And at that point, i it's an intellectual property uh, question. If you want to submit an article to Ledger that has some IP component that you want to protect, well, it's your job before you submit, before you make a public disclosure, submitting to Ledger would count as a public disclosure, that you've filed your provisional patent application with the U.S. Patent Office. So it's kind of out out of the scope of of Ledger in in a way too. But Peter,
1: maybe you want to talk about the fact that we're publishing the reviews online. Is that related to your question, Adam?
0: Very much so. I was going to ask a follow-up on that, actually. is uh, Are the reviews actually published? I mean, are they credited to the people who reviewed them? Is it like when you do a peer review, is it actually published alongside the piece, or is it just like part of the process that then generates the paper at the end, but you never actually see you know, what's going on in that process?
2: In the case of most academic journals, the review, what actually goes on behind the scenes is, is hidden. But Ledger is novel in this respect, in that we publish a transcript of the peer review process. So that means the comments made by the reviewers to the authors, the authors' responses back to the reviewers, but also any dialogue between the editorial team and the authors and reviewers. So if the article is accepted, we publish the PDF of the article, and beside it, we publish the peer review transcript that anybody can, can download and view. And we hope that will uh, add objectivity and transparency to the peer review process help remove bias in in, in some way.
1: And the reviewers can choose to stay anonymous or not. By default, reviewers will be anonymous.
2: It'll be reviewer one, reviewer two, and reviewer three. But reviewers have the option to to de-anonymize
0: themselves. Interesting. Um, One of the things I glossed over uh, a little bit earlier in the conversation, um, Ledger is embedding some kind of proof of existence into the blockchain, into the Bitcoin blockchain, I believe. What type of information are you embedding? What's the point, and why is it worth doing?
2: Right. So, this is something we're, we're really excited about. So, before we publish a PDF manuscript, we're going to hash that to get a fingerprint of that manuscript. And then we'll embed that into one of the Bitcoin blocks to serve as a sort of a proof of existence to the document existed, the exact form it's in at that moment in time. So, imagine someone publishes some controversial piece of research in Ledger. And two years down the road, some other organization says, well, we don't like that, that paper says exactly what it says. And maybe they can find some way to you know, convince someone to change that paper in some small way. Well now, because the fingerprint of the original paper is timestamped in the blockchain, we would have proof that that paper two years later is, is indeed a forgery. By timestamping documents in the blockchain, We eliminate the ability for people to rewrite history or change the narrative after the fact.
0: One of the things that occurs to me is that by doing it that way, you're not actually, so you're not actually putting the paper into the blockchain. You're putting a fingerprint in and it's not like you can see what was changed about the new version compared to the old version. It's just that you can see that it definitely was changed because these fingerprints, if you were to change one character, like add an an additional space into the paper, And then resave it and redo the whole thing, the fingerprint would be completely different than the version that just didn't have that space. So it's not about necessarily being able to qualitatively look and see what the changes are. It's just about being able to, nobody can go back and rewrite history, like you said, and say that this thing was back there because you can provably say, no, this fingerprint doesn't match what was embedded in the blockchain at this time.
2: Exactly. We won't know what was changed, but we will know that something was changed.
0: And so that happens after the peer review process, after the document that's going to be published has been created in, in its entirety, but before the publication, so there's that little window there where you put it in the blockchain where nobody else could have it except for, you know, either the, I guess it would just be you guys. So, so it's uh, actually Ledger that's going to be putting this in pre-publication, not the author.
2: Right, right, right. right. So so at that point, the final PDF manuscript is in its final form. No more changes are going to be made, but before we actually time step it in the blockchain, we then asked the author, the corresponding author for that paper, to digitally sign it with the Bitcoin private key that's associated to him publicly. So not only will we embed the fingerprint in the blockchain, but we'll also have cryptographic proof that the author demonstrated their approval of that manuscript exactly how it was, at the bitwise level.
0: So guys, this is uh, exciting. When's the first uh, issue coming out? I guess the other question that I have, although I'm not sure if you can answer it, is uh, the submission process has been open for a couple of weeks now. Have you gotten any uh, submissions that you are excited about or any you know, headlines you want to throw my way?
2: We hope to publish the first edition of Ledger in the spring of 2016. So the window for submitting for the inaugural edition closes on December 31st of this year. And then you know, three, four or so months later, we'll come up with the, uh, the, the first edition. Regarding what we've experienced so far, we were actually, actually overwhelmed. On the first day, I think we had uh, three submissions. I think we've now received seven or eight submissions. So we, we've been uh, thrilled by the uh, positive response from the community so far.
0: And I asked an earlier compound question, and so we skipped this part. How many articles are you planning on publishing on a quarterly basis with these issues? Is it just however many are ready, or do you have a, like, a, we're not going to publish more than 20 articles per issue, or?
2: We haven't really talked about that in too much detail. The plan is that if an article meets the quality requirements and has made it through peer review, we hope to publish it. That being said, because our staff is limited, if the volume of submissions overwhelms us, obviously, we might not be able to keep up. You know, personally, I would like to see the first edition published with, you know, at least six, but maybe as much as 12 original research articles, and at least one, but maybe as much as three uh,
0: review articles. And what's the difference between an original submission article and a review article? Or is a review, you know, backwards looking at a project that's already been published about?
2: Remember, Chris was talking about the importance of a scholarly article to be novel, to represent some new contribution to the literature. So an original research article does something that nobody's ever done before. A review article, on the other hand, kind of cohesively amalgamates other original research articles, but also, you know, possibly forum posts and, and self-published papers, and kind of tries to give a more general overview and summary and kind of neatly package all this other research into a nice, tidy package that's just
1: easier for, for people to, uh, to process. And it's important to point out that the review articles are also peer-reviewed.
0: So you could look at the original articles like this is new science and the review articles as kind of the state of the art recap of science or the summary. Interesting. Okay. So um, guys, I think that that's about all I uh, needed to know. A few more questions here. Um, what kind of organization actually is Ledger? And I know you mentioned a little bit about some of the grants, but do you have any other funding or any other plans for funding? And it sounded like that doesn't matter too much in, you, in your eyes too.
1: So far, we're just uh, supported by Coin Center we're always willing to consider sponsorship from other sources. And is Ledger an actual
0: company or are you guys just an online project?
1: Ledger is not a company. That is an option. Some journals create an, like a, an LLC or, or some entity that stands on its own. We might do that, and the only reason we would do that is so that if Peter and I were hit by a bus, there would be this non-human entity that would officially be a project. Whereas right now, it's, I guess, formally, there's a relationship between me as the managing editor that has an arrangement with the university publisher. But there's not a huge impetus to go with one way or the other. It works either way.
0: What kind of contributors, if any, are you looking for to get involved with the project? Sounded like people could uh, sign up to be a variety of things. What are those? Where should they go? Give me the full URL, please.
2: Well, we're looking for exciting papers on any aspect of... Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and blockchain research. And we're hoping to solicit articles from not only academics, but people working in Bitcoin industry as well. To submit an article, you would go to ledgerjournal.org and uh, sign up as an author and then follow the online submission process.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Bitcoin. This episode featured content from Chris, Peter, and Adam. Music for this episode was provided by Jared Rubens, Sound Position, and John Barrett. This episode was edited by Adam B. Levine. Any questions or comments? Email adam at letstalkbitcoin.com. Have a good one.